A reading from the Gospel according to Luke. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, there to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told them. The word of the Lord. In the beginning. In the beginning was the word. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. He is the word of life. This one who is life itself was revealed to us, and we have seen him. We now testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father, and then he was revealed to us. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you. That That God is light, and and in him is no darkness at all. And God saw that the light was good, and God blessed them. In the beginning was the word. That which was from the beginning. 
The word was with God. Which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes. The The word was God. Which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands. He was in the beginning with God. We proclaim to you that we ourselves have actually seen and heard, so that you may have fellowship with us. We are writing these things so that you may fully share our joy. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father. We have seen with our eyes, we have looked up and have touched with our hands. For from his fullness we have received all, we have all received grace upon grace. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen his glory. He is the word of life. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you. That, that God, God is light, and, and in, in him, him there is no darkness, darkness at all. The word of the Lord. Thanks be, be to God. God. Let's pray. Father, we do pray and ask that you would shine your light upon us. Scatter the darkness, Lord. Give us eyes to to see you. Give us open hearts to learn from you, we ask. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to thank you all for uh, being with us uh, for this Christmas Eve service. It is a a joy uh, to gather and to celebrate Christmas together. So thank you for being here. If you are a guest with us and not a regular tender church across, just know we are so glad um, that you could be with us tonight and really honored um, that you'd spend your Christmas Eve uh, with us. Um, Just know if you are a guest, we are a church with lots of kids um, and so if you have kids with you and they get talkative during the, the service, that is fine with us. Uh, last Christmas Eve, there were about six of us in this building, and we wish they were talkative kids uh, making noises. So um, please don't worry about um, uh, uh, your kids um, being engaged. We love that. Uh, we want kids to be engaged. So I'm a, a big fan of uh, music, and uh, when I was in college, I was a huge fan of a singer-songwriter named Jonathan Richman. I won't ask if anyone's heard of him, because I'll be so sad that probably few of you have. Um, uh, kind of obscure, um, but again, I was a big fan, and it turned out my roommate um, kind of became a fan as well, or I became a fan anyway. So we were both really into this singer, Jonathan Richman, and we would uh, talk about him and kind of talk about questions we'd ask him. This was pre-internet, so we couldn't learn anything about him other than from his music. Um, and uh, even that was hard to find. Um, this was the age where you had to go to record stores to find music by certain artists. So this kind of became a topic of conversation for us and would bore all of our friends around us about sort of things about Jonathan Richmond. It turned out um, one year um, that he was in concert a couple hours away from where we went to college. Um, we were super excited. We convinced a couple friends to join us, and we drove to this concert. We enjoyed the concert. It was awesome, of course. Um, and after the show, my friends and I uh, went across the street. We were um, getting a, a bite to eat. And who should walk into the restaurant 
but Jonathan Richmond. Um, and a woman who we assumed was his wife because he had songs about a wife. So we're like, that must be his wife. So my friend and I, my roommate and I started to question, like, what should we do? Like, should we run up to him right now and talk to him? Should we wait till he sits down? Is that rude? Should we be polite and not bother him since he just gave a concert? He's probably tired. We quickly ruled that out. No way. No, we're going to talk to him. Um, and uh, as we were debating, he turned around and walked out of the restaurant. And so my friend and I, without even talking about it, jumped up ran out of the restaurant. We went running down the sidewalk toward him with such energy that when he turned around and saw us, he looked terrified of us. Uh, he thought, I think he thought we were going to, to mug him. Um, and then we stopped and we said, Jonathan, we're so sorry. We, we, we hate to bother you, but we just want you to know we are huge fans. And we probably talked with him about 15 minutes. He was very friendly. He answered our questions. He, you know, sympathized with us and we couldn't find his albums <laughs> anywhere. He was sad about that as, as well, that they were very hard to find. And then we went back uh, to our friends and then drove back to the college. And obviously we shared this with our bigger friend group that people are excited for us. But we had one friend who refused to believe that we had actually met Jonathan Richmond. Um, even though we'd had witnesses there, even though we explained to her, it's really not that crazy that he would come into a restaurant right across the street from a club he had just played in. She didn't believe it. I think because so often we had talked about how we wanted to meet him, the fact that we actually met him was just too hard for her to believe. I mean, I actually got to the point where I so badly wanted her to believe that it had really happened that I had to ask myself, why do I care so much that she believes it? I mean, I met Jonathan Richmond, whether she believes it or not, it was a great experience whether she believes it. Why did I want her to know this really happened? And this Christmas Eve, right, we tell a story, we remember and read a story, and we say, this really happened. And that matters, right? It is a beautiful, powerful story. It's a story we all love, right? Of Bethlehem and angels and shepherds and a baby in a manger. But we say not only is it beautiful, not only is it a story of the wonderful message, but it's history. And that's how it's presented to us, right? When we read, read, had just had read to us the account from the Gospel of Luke, right? It doesn't begin, right? A long, long time ago in a land far away, once upon a time. No, how does it begin, Right, a decree went out in the days of Caesar Augustus. Right, You can look him up. He's in your history books. This was a specific time. It was actually a registration. In case you're wondering which registration it was, it was the one that happened when Quirinius was governor of Syria. It happened in Bethlehem. Joseph was there. He was from Nazareth. Right, Mary was there. Right, we earlier learned Mary had a, was, was pregnant, even though she's a virgin. Right, And Luke acknowledges. That's hard to believe. I understand. But this is why this was the case. This is what God did to make it so. Even if you think about the little details, right, the, the manger. Why is that important? Why are we told that Jesus was laid in a manger? Because he was laid in a manger. Right? Luke wants us to know this is what happened. I talked to the people who were there. I interviewed them. And this is the story I'm passing on to you. We heard in the, the reading that the three readers did up here from Genesis and from the Gospel of John and then from a letter that we call First John. And in that letter, right, the Apostle John, one of Jesus' disciples who spent three intensive years with Jesus, right, in writing that letter to the first Christians, he says, we want you to know we saw him with our own eyes. We actually touched him. We heard his voice. This isn't just a, a story we're making up. We knew the Messiah. This is real. And we're continuing that passion that John and Luke and others had the first participants in that story saying, we want you to know that this really happened, right? We want to share this with you. Why is that so important? Why is it so important for us to say, we want you to receive this story? Well, one is that we want to share our joy. 
I don't know if you heard that, but in that reading, again, from the first John, he says, I share this with you so that our joy may be complete. He's basically saying, look, until I share this message with you, I'm, I'm lacking the fullness of joy. But I'm sharing with you so I can know more joy. And I want you to know that joy. And when I give joy to you, that gives me joy. Right? I mean, that's the way it works. I'm sure we've all experienced that. When we have some good news to share with somebody, some exciting thing that happened to us, when we share it with them and they receive it, right, that increases our joy. So it's like we get double joy. We get the joy of reliving the moment, right, of telling the good news again. And then we get the joy of them experiencing joy in it. And we can say, well, that's a little selfish, right, that we get joy from their joy. But isn't that beautiful that that's the way we're made as people? That when we're able to bring someone else joy, that actually makes us more joyful. Joy is something we want to share. I'm sure we've all had situations where we had some experience and someone we wish had been there wasn't there. And we say to them, you should have been there. Oh, man, I wish you had been there. Right? And we're basically saying, my joy would have been even greater if I could have shared this with you. So now I'm going to tell you all what happened, right? And you missed it. But I'm going to tell you because I want it to be as if you were there. I want to share joy with you. And that reality of sharing joy with good news is especially true of the Christmas message. Right? For this is a message for all people. Good news of great joy for everyone. Right? That's what the angels tell the shepherds. This isn't just shepherd good news. Right? We want you guys you know, to know, but don't tell anyone else. No, they're telling the shepherds, hey, you guys need to know this is good news for everyone. Not just everyone here right now in Bethlehem at this moment. Everyone everywhere. And so there's a sense in which when we hear the Christmas story, it's kind of like we are there. It's like there's, you know, the angels are saying, it's for you right now to us. This is good news of great joy for everyone. This is not just their Savior. He's your Savior. That's why on Christmas it's like we're kind of recreating that moment, right? Not, not pretending that we don't live now, but sort of saying, yes, we are there because he came for us. And so we want to share our joy but we also want to share our hope, right? When we share good news, we're, we're sharing hope. I mean, as strange as it may seem, you know, when I shared that with my friend who wouldn't believe that I met Jonathan Richmond, in a sense what I was saying is I want you to believe this because there are things you want to happen someday. And something that I wanted to happen actually happened. And so I want you to believe that that could happen to you. I want you to know the hope that I'm feeling from this situation. I'm sure uh, many of us, uh, or many of you like me, uh, when the pandemic began, uh, I watched um, the kind of little show on YouTube, Some Good News, uh, with John uh, Krasinski. Um, it became kind of this big thing. And it's no surprise that tons of people were watching it, because right? we were all so desperate, and still are, right, for good news. And right? so we'd watch that. I remember our family every week would be like, hey, the new episode's out. It's like, please, give us something that makes us feel better right now. Tell us some news that actually encourages us. Show us some, uh, you know, actions of kindness. Right? We need hope. And hope often feels like something like we can't hold on to, right? We get it and then it disappears. It, it, it loses like sand sort of through our fingers. Right? We want solid hope. And in sharing good news, we're saying there's hope, right? And, and you probably feel it, you know, and maybe the, the fleeting nature of hope on this evening. You know, the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not overcome it. We hear that and we say, yes, right? That must be right. But then we wonder, can that be right? Can it really be true that the light ultimately overcomes evil? Is that too much to hope for? Right? We hear peace on earth, goodwill to men, and we think, yes, I want that so badly, but can that really happen? 
can it really happen that there's peace on earth? Where we hear that God, the Word of God, the eternal, divine Son of God became flesh and dwelt among us. That the message is that God has not abandoned us. That He has come. That He has come to us. That He loves us that much. That He lived for us and He died for us and He rose again. And we think, can I really believe that? Because what I experience sometimes is God seems very far away. It feels like God has abandoned me. And so we feel that hope, but then we wonder, can I hold on to that, right? Is that solid? Right? But we have witnesses to this story who say, yes, it is solid, right? Mary says to us in the story, I held him. I, I, I was a virgin, and I was actually given a baby, the very son of God, right? The first disciples say to us, right, we walked around with him. We saw him heal people. We heard him teach like no one has ever taught before, right? The poor and the outcasts say to us, this man treated us with dignity and with honor like no one else ever had, right? He shocked the religious leaders by how much he showed love to us, right? Those first disciples, they gave their lives to share this message, right? They went out and were willing to be put to death in order to tell others the word has become flesh and dwelt among us, right? That word gave his life for us. We saw him die. We saw him risen Again, from the grave. That's the good news, right? That's the hope, the solid hope. Right? Our hope is in Jesus who came in the flesh. He is solid and real. And the witnesses tell us, you can believe this. And that ties into the final thing. Right? We share good news often because we want a response. We are saying, I want to share this with you. I want you to know it really happened because actually I'm inviting you to respond in some way, right? That's true for almost any good news. Sometimes it's just, I want you to respond by saying, that's awesome. Good job, right? Sometimes we share, you know, you got to read this book. You got to watch this movie. You got to hear this great song. We want them to respond by listening to it. And then we're upset when they say, I didn't like it that much, right? Then we, you know, find someone else that we can find that will hear the good news and listen to the song we love and love it with us. We want to share that, right? We, we, I invite people, again, to respond to that good news. And some good news asks for a special kind of response. If I shared with someone, hey, I know you're looking for a job. I've got good news, right? I spoke to someone who's looking to hire someone, and you're a perfect fit for what they're looking for, and he said he'd love to interview you next week, right? That good news invites a very specific response, right? Call this person. Set up an interview with them. Someone, if I shared that news and someone said, that's awesome news and didn't do anything, I'd say, no, you don't understand, right? The good news invites a response. And this good news invites a response, right? The angels say to the shepherds, go, and the shepherds go. In the gospel of John, John says, uh, just a few verses after the verses we just had read to us, he says, to those who received him, speaking of Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. He's saying to receive this Savior has come to believe in his name is to enter into his family, to know the forgiveness of sins, to know the gift of eternal life. But he's inviting again a response. In one sense, a simple response. Receive and believe. In another sense, a huge response. He's saying, give your life to this one who came. Know him as your Savior. And you are receiving joy and hope eternally. Right? Uh, uh, the gift of ongoing, everlasting joy and hope. And I know many of you tonight, you say, yes, I have received and believed. Maybe some of you are saying, I, I don't know if I have. Or maybe some of you are saying, I'm not sure if I really believe. 
I just want to encourage you to think about your response tonight, to consider that invitation. And if some of you are maybe saying, you know, I would love to know more what that looks like. I want to receive belief. First, I would just assure you, Jesus is alive. And the one who we celebrate that came 2,000 years ago is alive. He hears your prayers. He responds to them. So you can call out to him. But I'd also encourage you, if that's something you're saying tonight, reach out to someone else. Just know we at Church of the Cross love talking about those things. Again, I love talking with people who say, I'm not sure what I believe. And some who say, I think I believe this. And I'm not sure. And I'd love to talk more. Or I want to believe this. We love that. So I encourage you, reach out to someone. Maybe someone here at church, you have our contact information there in the bulletin. Maybe someone in your family, in your life. But to, to respond to this good news in some way. And I would give that an invitation to all of us tonight. To really ask the Lord, how maybe specifically can I respond? With hope, with joy, perhaps there's some new thing you're calling me to. Some new act of service, some new sacrificial act of love to respond to what you have done. But may we believe and receive abundantly all that the Lord has given. So I want to just take a moment of of silence or semi-silence. Again, child noises are welcome. And then I'll pray for us. But let's just ask for a second, Lord, what can I do with this good news? How can I respond? I thank you, Lord, that the good news of this night is for each, every person gathered here tonight. I pray you'd speak to each one of us through your spirit. I pray that again that we would have open ears to hear your voice, Lord. I pray each person here would know a deep and blessed Christmas. We thank you, Jesus, for coming. Amen.